Welcome to the School of Travels podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Happy April, listeners. Welcome back to the School of Travels podcast. I hope that you're staying safe wherever you are and not going too crazy from having to stay inside. I am settled into a guest house here now in Tokyo, Japan, where I can stay as long as I need to. And recently I have been really appreciating the small things like the sound of rain on my window or the smell of freshly ground coffee beans from trying to make homemade coffee each morning. I know many of you are still stuck at home during the quarantine or lockdown, and you're just dreaming of the day when you can get out into the world again. So I thought this week would be a great opportunity to share an interview that I recorded back in December 2019 with two women who had recently completed a two-month cycling adventure in New Zealand. When I met Gina Bourne and Nina Mariana Pasha in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and heard about their adventures, I thought that they would be great to share on the podcast because the story of how they went cycling is so relatable and inspires anyone with a similar dream to get out there and just make it happen, even if you've done no training and you've never been on any kind of cycling trip before. You can do it even in your own small group or solo, if you prefer. A note of warning, while I was editing this podcast, I realized that there is a small incessant click going on throughout the interview in the background. I'm really not sure where it came from, but I hope it doesn't deter you from enjoying Gina and Nina's incredible story. You will also hear a few planes taking off in the background, and I hope these serve as further motivation to one day soon get back into the skies yourself. All right, let's get on the road to Chiang Mai and then on to New Zealand with Gina and Nina. Welcome to episode 36 of the School of Travels podcast. And today I am here with new friends. I just met you guys last week, Ooh. Nina and Gina. Welcome to the School of Travels podcast. Hi. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're a bit nervous. They've told me this is their first podcast interview ever. So I'm excited. Gina, can we start with you? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. Um, so my name is Gina Bourne. I am uh, half English, half Thai. Uh, from Chiang Mai in northern Thailand. Um, grew up quite internationally because my dad works in development, so we kind of uh, lived abroad um, in developing countries, so countries like the Philippines and Bangladesh, and then Thailand for most of, uh, like from 10 to 18. Um, I love to travel, and uh, I studied disaster management at uni, so... I volunteered um, a lot in, well not a lot, but just, uh, yeah, volunteered in a few countries like India and Nepal, so yeah, I've travelled a lot and it's one of my passions, but for now I work seasonally as an outdoor educator, so I'm in Switzerland a lot and then hopefully soon we'll be moving to more Asia-based countries to work. So I kind of follow the sun um, and just before I hit 30 I'd like to do more like working holiday visa kind of uh, lifestyle and jobs so yeah I, I love the ocean I love um, traveling meeting people and living with communities and like working on community-based projects with the themes of like disaster management and development work um, 
Yeah, that's me in a nutshell, kind of. Wow, there's so many amazing things you've done. I, I want to take this already off in a direction, but uh, let's go to you. What can you tell us about yourself? Uh, my full name is Nina Mariana Pasha. I am half Thai, half Dutch. I also grew up here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. was born in Indonesia, and then I moved here when I was five. Yeah, my parents have always encouraged traveling, so I, I, we've traveled as a family every year. My dad traveled a lot back when he was younger as well, so both my parents have always been really encouraging with traveling and, and never really worry about me traveling. They just like let me go off and roam. I went to university in the Netherlands, studied psychology, and then kind of got stuck there for a little bit, working a corporate job, and then I just decided that was enough, and then I just left, and then decided to head to New Zealand with Gina, so. And that's where the story is gonna head very quickly, but I do wanna ask, how did you guys meet each other? Well, you met each other in grade five, Yeah. Uh, and at first we didn't hit it off. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was a bit of a rocky start, but then, uh, like, um, yeah. After years went by, we slowly became friends, and then... Not even uh, years. I think it was, like, the first month was just, like... No, the first year. First year. Grade five <laughs> was rough. Okay, great. And then grade six, we bonded. Um, and then ever since then, we've been best friends. But you're the kind of friend that you do everything first with. Yeah. Um, or, like, experiencing. Did, yeah. Crazy, like, nights out, driving on the motorbike in town, like, all these, like, crazy little things you do growing up, like, we did together. Uh, did you guys meet here in Chiang Mai, Thailand? Yeah, in school. Okay. In school. Yeah. And you were saying that you guys both went to an international school here? Yeah. Okay. Wow. I have to say, of all the people I've had on the podcast, you guys have probably been friends the longest. Yeah. <laughs> so it's coming up to 18 years, I think. We were 10 when we met. And I was turning, well, turning, turning 28 next year. So it was like 17 years. Yeah. All right. So, and then you have these very different paths after graduation yeah. for a while. Does travel feel just really easy and natural for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I hate the airport still. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I don't mind the flight itself, but then the airport and dealing with everyone and it's oh, a bit of a hassle. I love it. I sometimes challenge myself by like arriving way later than I need to. And then no, I'm joking. She, see, that's, what, <laughs> how we're that's the difference that we have. She's always rushing to the airport, and I'm like three hours in advance, and I like to people watch. I but like I you, Nina. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I'll people watch. That's, that's the best thing about the airport. I'm there just sweating, <laughs> running so fast to get to my flight. Uh, well, let's, let's go ahead and reveal what you guys did. So we said New Zealand, and you were in the Netherlands, it sounds like, Nina. Yeah. And did you make a plan then to go to New Zealand? Is that what happened? Or? Well, the thing is, Gina and I have been planning to go to New Zealand for the last 10 years. Ever since high school, we wanted to go. But right after high school, we realized we had no money. And um, Gina also had to suddenly go off to university because um, the tuition costs were rising the year after. So she, her father kind of pushed you to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so she went to uni, I took a gap here, and then eventually I went to uni as well. And then after uni, we're like, let's go, but then we realized we were still broke. Um, <laughs> or in debt. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we decided to work for a couple of years, and then after a few years in a, a corporate job in Amsterdam, I just felt like I was drowning, and it wasn't the job I wanted for the rest of my life. And New Zealand had always been in the back of my mind, so I called Gina and was like, I'm going. I'm saving up now. I'm gonna go with or without you. Wow. And she just like hopped on the bandwagon and was like, "I'm coming." Yeah. I was like, "When do I need to book my flight?" 
right. And where were you when she contacted you at first? Um, what were you so doing? So after uni, uh, so I went to university in England uh, in a place called Coventry. And then uh, after uni, I decided to chase the role. After getting a degree in disaster management, I was um, uh, motivated or passionate to continue down that pathway. So I had an internship with ActionAid in the London office, but it was, it was more a volunteering gig with the hopes of working in that field, um, like maybe internationally. So I kind of chased that, um, and then that came along uh, living in London, um, having interviews and trying to get the uh, like graduate job. And um, at one point I had three jobs, just hustling. trying to, yeah, hustling, trying to pay the rent, pay your bills and live in a big, big city, and it was very exciting, and I learned a lot about myself, and I managed to pay all my bills, but I was working quite a lot and never really saving. And transport, food, rent, everything. Um, and then after a while, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is for me, so... And in my heart, I knew I want to work in the field or work in development and um, in more Asia-based countries. But anyway, a friend of mine told me about a job that he was in, so uh, working in outdoor education in Switzerland, and he was like, um, "There's it's pay, it's pays, uh, it covers your accommodation and food. You work with kids, you get to like create po- positive like agency change with within young ones about nature and our environment, and you take kids hiking and rock climbing and like forest forestry and." Um, fire making and stuff and I was like whoa that sounds like something that I really want to get into Um, and just be more in like a teaching capacity and working with young ones so um, for me I I really yeah excited to do that so I kind of made a shift myself so I was in Switzerland uh, working more seasonal based so working from May to October in like summer camps and outdoor ed Um, and then Nina I think we, we, we although we like live in different countries uh, and we see each other maybe once a year or once every two years or sometimes it'll be like, Nina, <laughs> I need to see you, man, I need to get out of here. So I just like fly, get easy jet flight to Holland and just catch up with Nina over a weekend or like for a few days. But anyway, sorry, long story short. Yeah, I think I was in Switzerland uh, working and... You got the call from Nina. Yeah. Gina! I'm going to New Zealand with or without you. We're turning 27 this year. we got three years left. we got to go. Yeah. Kind of thing. Because, yeah, it's up to 30 years old uh, for the working holiday visas for Europe and British passports. I think, yeah, most passports. Mm. Um, so it was just the opportunity. And by then, Nina was saving. And uh, I live the $100 debt bag lifestyle. So uh, I was going to make it work somehow. Um and we'll explain that terminology later, if you like. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, maybe uh, on the journey in New Zealand yeah. you can explain that. Yeah. Um, in, that um, in that part of the story. But anyway, Nina said she's she's really wants to go, and I was like, okay, we've been planning this for a while. so With the intention that you wanted to work there is yeah. also what I'm understanding, because you had that 30-year-old that Yeah, yeah. we kind of left everything, like, open we didn't plan too much on it and then as the months came on more plans came and yeah do you have to apply for the working holiday visa before you get to new zealand yeah is that how it works yeah Yeah, and for us because we've lived in asia and we in the last five years spent more than three months in thailand we had to get 
medical checkups and everything and stuff like that so but it's easy depending on where you are like we just did it here in thailand like got the medical checkup and it's a lot cheaper than like doing it in switzerland where Mm. gina was yeah 10 times cheaper yeah tip just out of nowhere a tip for you go to the hospitals in thailand chiang mai bangkok there are some really well-priced hospitals with great care Amazing facilities. Amazing. You'd be shocked. I was shocked, and I, but I continue to be delighted yeah. <laughs> every time I go. So, okay, you started saving up. How long did you save up before you finally got on the plane? Um, I think I saved up a year and a half, maybe two, Yeah, a year and a half about. Just as much as I could every month, just shoveling as much as I could. And then if I got, like, Chris, like, end-of-year bonuses and stuff, I'd shovel, like, 75% of it into saving. I just budgeted everything. So, like, when I first uh, get paid in the beginning of the month, like, the first thing I do is is, is know what I'm going to spend on what and then shovel the remaining in the savings. And I have a special savings account where you can't touch it. It takes 30 days before any money comes out. So any of that sudden temptations you have, you can't act on because the money is in the lock and vault. That is a really so good tip. That's, that's what I did at least. So it was 30 days, but then there's another bank that you can do like for 60 days. Like it takes 60 days for any money to come out. Um, so I just had everything planned, like my rent, my insurance, my food, everything, like transport costs and everything was already all calculated and everything else that didn't fall into that shoved into savings. It's so powerful to, to actually figure out what you're spending every month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, of course, I, I left a lot of wiggle room for, like, miscellaneous items as well, you know. Sometimes you need that little extra. You never know what's going to pop up. and so. Yeah, okay, great. So a year and a half to two years. So, yeah. I mean, listeners, if you're hearing this, like, it's, you know, some, I think to have the best experience, it will take some planning. It, yeah, it, I think it also depends on the person, though. Like, some people, they, they can just, like, jump into it. They don't really worry too much. They just, like, go She's pointing to herself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas, like, for me, I was, like, the more conservative. Like, okay, like, I need a certain amount of money, and, like, I'm worried about this and that, and, like, yes, that that is technically still part of who I am now, but the longer I'm traveling, the less I feel that conservative and constrained. I'm more like you, Nina. Yeah. I, feel you, I feel you, girl. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then there was not as much... On the contrary. On the contrary <laughs> here with you. <laughs> other side of the spectrum. Prepping for the trip yeah. on her side. Uh, well, for me, um, I guess I uh, worked seasonally. And when you're working well, with the company that I was, they cover your accommodation and food, and then they pay you on top. So luckily for me, I was working with them for a couple of years and in between seasons I just go home and chill at home or volunteer so I don't have much expenses in terms of rent and, and so I can save money then but yeah seasonally I just collected all my pay and whilst I was working uh, I didn't spend or do extra trips because in Europe it's so easy just to get a train or a flix bus or or an f- uh, easy jet flight somewhere I just decided okay just work really really hard and then that whole lump sum money, just save it. And yeah, so for me, I wasn't saving for two, three years or one and a half years throughout with like many uh, expenses, like rent for you in Holland and things. Mm. It was more just like working really hard during the seasons and then just putting that money away. Um, and so I had enough for the visa. So uh, I saved money um, season through seasonal work 
for the visa, you're required to have a certain amount within your bank account to enter the country, just so that they know that you have enough to exit if you need to. Mm -hmm. So it thinks like four thousand New Zealand dollars. Yeah, so I uh, four thousand two hundred. So I had just above that. So the first three months was covered, but then because you're on a working holiday visa, which is the beauty of it, um, yeah, we had the freedom to be able to work as well. Um, and Nina, who is also dubbed our logistics manager slash um, parent of the two of us, <laughs> slash person that just has everyone's backs and they're very organized. And we need one person to be like that. Yeah. I think it's a good balance here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but eventually, yeah, we got jobs, kiwi picking, and then I worked in a plant nursery. Nina worked in construction uh, for a bit, and yeah, we just kind of like went with the flow and things like that. So it worked out on both sides. But for me, I think I was more stressed out to make money, whereas Nina could uh, enjoy or like um, afford things like a car and stuff. So. Whereas I had to like d- really depend on her, and we had to become a bit of a team. But yeah. Well, let's get back to the beginning of when you arrived in New Zealand. So I'm understanding like what you needed in your bank account. You get over there. What time of the year, Nina, was it when you arrived, and what was your what were your plans really when you first got there? Um. So I arrived end of January. Jean arrived early January, and then we met up um, in the South Island, okay. um, and it all started off going to a festival first. So we started the whole thing off going to a... A beautiful festival called Illuminate Festival. Oh, which, which part of New Zealand is that in? Uh, so it's on the, um, it's on the Canaan Downs. So it's uh, in between Nelson uh, and Motueka. Um, Takaka. And a beautiful place called Takaka. Uh, yeah, so it's on a crystal mountain. And South it's... Island, north part of the South Island. Okay, is that on the west coast or the east coast? So it's the Abel Tasman uh, National Park. Okay. So it's yeah. beautiful beaches, um, white sand beaches and waterfalls. Yeah. But it's, yeah, beautiful. Not national, where the festival was. Not, yeah, the festival like was on a was. yeah on a mountain. Okay. Uh, in a national park area, yeah. yeah, like the northern tip of the South Island was mm-hmm. yeah very close to where this festival was. Yeah. But it's a it's like an eco friendly, eco warrior, alcohol free. Um, family friendly family friendly workshops uh, sound healing yeah lots of workshops that open like consciousness and um, learning about like culture and uh, yoga meditation and yeah. tai chi yeah. um, yin and yeah. yang and dance and sing and tantric spiritual connection it's yeah. It's a great yeah. way to start to yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. And there's a forest with massive uh we couldn't camp in the forest because they wanted to protect these giant snails that lived in the forest. <laughs> they're like carnivorous snails as Carnivorous well? snails. What? I wouldn't yeah. want to sleep anywhere near them. <laughs> no. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, okay. so the main part, after that we um took a couple we took a while to like finally sort everything out. But uh, we made our way to Nelson, where uh, we both got situated with bicycles. <gasps> wow. Yeah. yeah. So according to our budgets, we kind of approached it differently. Yes. So Gina had a t- tighter budget than I did. So she went for a second-hand bike. And then for me, because partially because my t- 
budget wasn't as tight, but partially because I have a bad knee. I had surgery a couple of years before that, so um, I wasn't really willing to compromise on a bike that wasn't appropriate f- for me, like size-wise and the capabilities of it. So I went for a first-hand bike. Yeah, and that's where we really started our journey. All right, so you're in Nelson, you're bike shopping, you find your bikes. Yeah. And then what was this plan? So had you been planning to go cycling and have this this trip before you got there, or was it something you decided? So um, when we were, uh, when I was back home, after uh, OED work, so outdoor education work in Switzerland, I flew back home, and uh, it was October time. Uh, and my dad, because my dad also uh, traveled New Zealand when he was our age, and he used to, he was a sheep shearer, he shore sheep, um, <laughs> and he uh, cycled New Zealand, but the North and South Island, uh, and he quite subtly just planted the seed. <laughs> we were just having, uh, yeah, talking about van life, or just like buying a van and traveling New Zealand and living on the road kind of thing, and like free camps, or... Yeah, campsites and things. Uh, and he's like, why don't you just cycle New Zealand? And I was like, wow, whoa, wow. I don't know. Oh, really? He's like, yeah, I did it. Like, you guys, you, you and Nina could totally do it. You just need to get bikes and get some equipment and um, uh, pack light and maybe plan your route and things. I can show you the route I went on. And we got the uh, epic um, atlas out that we have at home. And my dad showed us the route that he took. So we did a bit of a, like a figure of eight of the South Island and then did the North Island as well. And then I remember just like, okay, let me just run it by Nina first before I just get too excited. Um, I was like, Nina, what do you think about cycling New Zealand? I was like, dot, 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 dot. And then Nina was like, it's not a no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, a, not a no. It's not no. A, let me think about it. <laughs> Had you ever thought about cycling like long term across any country before? No, it's not something that's crossed my mind. Like cycling is not a big thing in my life. Like yes, I am Dutch and I lived in the Netherlands for a while, so I cycled every day. But it, that's not anything compared to cross country cycling, and so I wouldn't consider myself a professional cyclist. And to be honest, we didn't even train for this tour. Like. That was we completely <laughs> we completely went in there not knowing what we were doing but just eager eager beaver yeah eager, eager and excited just to just to see where how far we get really <laughs> and um, yeah. yeah so I went away and I was like okay let me uh, let me think about it and then I came back to Gina a couple weeks later and I was like okay if we're gonna do this this is the type of bike we need this is the type of gear we need and the bags we need what route are we taking and sort of like all the details and I think that's when it clicked with Gina she's just like Nina's Nina's gonna take this seriously yeah she's kind of taken over with the planning here and the logistics and as soon as I got that call back from Nina saying okay we need this we need this a b c d e f g x y z um I was like okay now we can't go back we we just have to do the damn thing and just yeah uh, try our best and see what happens but, um, but yeah, it's, it's best started with my dad saying, you could totally cycle it, I did it. It's a beautiful way to see a country or a region or an area. It's a beautiful, uh, sustainable way to travel. 
uh, and it's a low cost way to travel as well. You don't have to pay for petrol, except for the food that you eat because we just ate a lot, <laughs> burnt, burnt a lot of calories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, and then there was the TA route. Then yeah. Explain that. So the TA route, we I I found it doing some research before, but then we met someone at the festival that mentioned it, and it sort of solidified our plans when we were there that we were going to do the tour Aotearoa route, which is uh, a route from Cape Renga in the north of the, su- uh, the North Island, the very tip, all the way to the su- southern point of the southern island. Um, Called Bluff. Bluff, yes. And there's two different ones. There's a walking, like hiking one, and then there is the cycling one. And uh, we decided we were going to do the southern island portion of it. Within New Zealand, we have the Great Walks, which is hiking trails all around the country. That one everyone knows. But then there are also cycling trails that are made and um, a lot of money has been actually put into it and there are special pathways for these cyclists and like uh, different routes and stuff. And there was one, there's one route from Mount Cook that goes all the way across country to Omarama? No, Omaru. Omaru. That's it. So what we had originally planned was to start in Nelson, Motueka area, go all the way to Queenstown, and then take a bus from Queenstown to Mount Cook, and then do the Mount Cook to Omaru. Mm-hmm. But the further we went, and the all the including all the people that we met, they sort of inspired us to go even further. So we ended up what cycling all the way, almost to Queenstown, and that's when we decided to continue cycling further to Teanu. Which is like Milford Sound. Yeah. We didn't cycle to Milford Sound because it's a bit dangerous, but yeah, Teanu is the town that a lot of people go to to get to the Milford Sounds. Um, so yeah, we, we did the West Coast Wilderness Trail, which was uh, maybe five, six, oh, three, four, five days. No. How many, I don't know. It was the Greymouth, and then we went to the, the Lake Canary. That was one day, and that was like 80... 80 or 88 k's we did and then after that we did 20 k's only the next day from Lake Canary to Hokotika mm-hmm. and then we had like a rest day at Hokotika and then Hokotika to Ross Hast. but the the west coast wilderness is only to Ross I oh. think mm-hmm. but then we continue further to like Hari Hari and then further down oh to the Franz Joseph yeah. And Fox Glacier. Yeah. Wow, sounds beautiful. Yeah, it is spectacular. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best things about traveling by bike, though, is the people you meet. There's a monumental place called Murchison for us. So the first leg of our cycle tour was from Motueka. Well, Nina was Nelson, I started in Motueka. You gotta mention the first day first. Though. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> um, but we made it to uh, Nelson Lakes National Park. Uh, and it was only two to three day, two day cycle with a rest day in between because it was yeah. raining and we just needed a rest and the first day was just oh is a lot. Yeah. Um, but when we made it to the Nelson Lakes National Park, um, we met a few friends there from the festival and then we went on to a place called Murchison, which is a small um, campsite. We stayed there for three days or so and by the river, but that. Uh, campsite a lot of cyclists um, would stay because like word of mouth and on the TA planning route they would uh, suggest places where they like recommend to stay Um, and Murchison we met Sam and 
Dennis. Uh, sorry, first Sam and Raza. Raza. Dennis. <laughs> Dennis and uh, Jason. And Jason became the third musketeer within our team for yeah. maybe like five weeks. Six oh. weeks. Six weeks. He joined us all the way to the Almost. point where he went to Mossburn. I know these are places that not many people would know because they're small towns with like one street town. But he continued on to Bluff because he was doing the TA route. Mm-hmm. And we continued on to Tianu, so we there was a split in the road. Yeah. After we, Queenstown. We literally waved each other it's off. It's like, how was that? How was that goodbye? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he definitely pushed us to do a lot more because in the beginning we weren't capable of doing very much. Like, obviously, like I said, we hadn't trained, so we just took it day by day and we thought of it more as a journey and an adventure rather than a race. Mm-hmm. So we just, like kept on going and then what I usually say with Gina is like by little which is just like just little by little little by little just keep going just keep pushing is that um, Thai yeah. yeah oh can yeah. you say it one more time by little or you can say till a nip till a noise oh, yeah. like, little by little, little. <laughs> oh, <that's> so cute <laughs> yeah we have so many sayings from there yes. like what su thai su thai like su 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 it's like fight 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 and to we the would death. Be, yeah <laughs> We would be climbing a mountain and just uh, had a song on repeat, which was Losing It by Fisher, uh, which helped us climb the steep terrains. Hmm. Um, but Jason really pushed you as well. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning too? Especially the beginning. The first day was like a disaster. Gina, you want to okay. talk about the first day? I'll regale the first day. It's stressful. Okay, well, firstly, we started our first day of cycling. I had bought a bicycle on Trade Me, which is like a Craigslist or Gumtree, uh, the US version. Well, this is a New Zealand version. And I'm pretty sure my bike was maybe like a third hand or second hand already. So, um, but for me, I it was a mountain bike. I had the back rack and I had my panniers. I was ready to go. What are panniers? As oh, someone yeah. who doesn't know enough about panniers, are like the uh, bike bags that you can clip onto the back rack and then instead of having a, ba- a heavy backpack you put your load in these uh, panniers that can be in the back racks or the front racks of your bicycle and it's just storage places to put your mm-hmm. sleeping bag, roll mat, your kitchen equipment, your clothes, your your high vis, your helmet, um, yeah it's just space. For, okay. Yeah, Doug, do you want to say? Yeah, so uh, I had got my bike and I already knew like driving off that oh this bike is it's not that bad but at the same time it wasn't like a spanking new one which was like fit for my height or whatever so for me I already I again okay you knew a little bit about saddles and like how high your seat should be and um, things like that, but uh, you know, I nothing about like changing a tire. Yeah, like well, you had to practice the no, sort of nothing beforehand. We nothing. had a multi tool, we just didn't know how to use it just yeah. yet. But you had a Swiss Army knife, and the thing is, uh, cycle touring, you just become very practical and you troubleshoot a lot. You go, okay, this back rack, the three bolts have gone off. What do we do? Zip ties. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta deal with it when it comes. You yeah, don't know what's yeah. coming next. Yeah. So yeah, a couple of times like my back rack because it wasn't steel, it was quite um, maybe yeah, it was aluminium. I don't know what it was. Anyway, but over the two months, um, my bolts had come up. I had one bolt left, but Nina had zip tied it all up, and the 
the bit where the back rack connects to the the bicycle itself that was zip tied on and um because yeah. your luggage was too heavy yeah like pushing onto the gear shifter yeah so going to back to the first day because we we had our things with us from thinking that okay we're going to be in New Zealand for a year we just had too much stuff so one recommendation that we have in our top tips uh learnings that we we've discussed uh, like major thing that we learned is if you're going to cycle tour you just have to pack for uh that cy- cycle tour moment just if you have a friend or someone that you can leave your things in storage uh leave your things behind and come back to it after your tour you just need to make sure you have minimalistic and compact and light equipment um and for us we had uh, our cycle outfit and high vis cuz safety is important what is a high oh high vis like you know the construction worker uh neon. like the neon yellow, oh, yeah. orange where the light yeah. hits you and you're just like glowing and like looking good feeling fresh in your high vis yeah <laughs> Oh, I like so, this new term. Yeah. So a uh, high visual jacket, which oh. is so cars can see you and you're more visible, especially at night time. Mm-hmm. Um, Not that we were cycling at night. No, we, we wouldn't be cycling at night. So you'd always try to finish by sunset. Or yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Or, or before. But so going back to the first day, uh, normally cycle tours would leave like crack of dawn, <laughs> 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 latest. We left at half 2 p.m. On your first day. On our first day. And that, That's and only because we needed to drop us some stuff at a friend's place. Or he needed to come pick it up. And we needed to put in his moving car yeah. house. Um, yeah. And he didn't come time we had hoped he would. Yeah. So. But wow. we, we had just come from a Luminate Festival. So I didn't want to uh, give away um, my like turquoise, silky... Um, jacket and you know like festival flowy clothes flowy clothes that you just love to wear yeah but when cycle touring it's really not practical function over fashion oh that was a saying yes (laughs) we definitely learned function over fashion so yeah going back to the (laughs) to the first day we left very late um and we knew the the direction we're going but we're kind of nervous and my bike wasn't exactly uh perfect um and i was like doubting already the first day i was already doubting whether i could do it or or just feeling like oh this can't be the way it's gonna happen and two months uh, yeah two months on this um can i is it like too late to go like return it and like wait but then we just had a schedule we just had to keep on going but anyway i had too much stuff on my bike and my saddle was way high and my gears weren't shifting. Oh, they were shifting, but I just felt like out of my depth and just wondering what in the world am I doing? Why can't we be in a van? Like all the other backpackers with a foot on the dashboard, pumping music and with all the things nicely stored behind. Why are we on bikes kind of thing? And uh, But we, we went, we kept on going. And then um, we hit the only... <laughs> Which was a mountain. A mental hill and physical hill. Yeah. For us, it was a mountain. It was 125 meters elevation that we would climb. Yeah. (laughs) Retrospectively now. Yeah. But uh, so 125 meter elevation, 
And I was like, okay, I see this hill. I need to shift into gear one and one and just hamster this baby. And just just <laughs> hamstering it just means that you're low gears, high gears? Low. Low. Low gear, low. Yeah. So granny gear, gear. Granny gear. Um, or grandpa gear, whichever one you like to say. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, I need to shift gear one and one. But my bags, because they were so heavy, they had uh, impacted the gear shifter the shifter and and at one point the spoke was in the gear shifter and my bike was uh i just couldn't pedal and nina had already like she's like woo yeah just like feeling it like going for it and like i was halfway up the hill when i realized gina wasn't behind me so i like stopped for a moment and waited for her and then realized she wasn't coming i just cycled all the way back down only to find her on the side of the road with her wheels up in the air and the cows wandering over to her wondering what the hell's going on. Oh yeah. my gosh. And I was I was a I just remember laying just on the side of the road, like cars like driving past really fast. Just like laying on the grass, like you know when you're a starfish and you just you just feeling so sorry for yourself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Your just Nina laying. has left you. You yeah. don't know where Nina is. <laughs> like, where's Nina? But then also trying to uh, troubleshoot, figure out what's going on with the bike, and then just had and then Nina. I just remember seeing Nina come with like beam of light around her. I was like, oh god, Nina, logistics manager is gonna fix this. Um, but anyway, Nina came. She's like, right. She's like flipped open her Swiss Army knife and just like jammed the spoke out and then cut the plastic. Thing that was protecting the gear from disc. the disc that you don't need. Well, I didn't. Yeah, you probably really need, it, need it. That you don't really need it. <laughs> and she just like put that in a bag. And was like, yeah, you don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> Try to straighten up yeah. the gear shifter. And like, All right, let's and go. And start spinning and and just sorted out the bike. And I was there, just like cry, uh, well, wanting to cry. It's actually very. Um, people don't realize how hard it is when you're very outside your comfort zone. The first day. I felt miles outside and just pretending that everything is okay but inside I was just like a duck uh, like on the surface it's like calm collected but underneath just like my my wadded feet which is like going I don't know just trying to keep up with everything but yeah but uh, that was fine we sorted that out troubleshooting and become very practical yeah. very multi-tool you get to go and then we uh, climbed up the hill, which was great. And we're like, okay, that's that's hard, but it's 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 not too hard. Yeah. And do you want to explain? We reached the the summit of that little hill, and then uh, we yeah, it was exhausting. It was only the first day as well. I was like, oh my god, how are we gonna like survive all this? This is like how it starts off. Like, it's just gonna be so hard. And then we couldn't really think of anything else, so we just um. I had little speakers with me, so we put on uh, Thunder by ACDC, <laughs> and we decided to go downhill listening to that, and... Thunder! <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was the most rewarding moment that I still remember of that trip, because as we were going down that hill, there was um, opening in the sky, and you could see the sun beaming down, and you can see the entire valley, and it was beautiful. And at that moment, it hit me. I was like, this is why we're doing it. It might be hell on earth, like, trying to get to that point, but it is the most rewarding thing I could possibly do. 
And you're out in nature, you're with your friends that you've had exactly. for so long. And exactly. At that point, you had so much more ahead of you. Yeah. yeah. So we finally made it all the way down, and we made it to... Tapuera. Tapuera. The settlement. <laughs> where, as we were arriving there, in the little parking lot, this old man popped his head out the side. But let me be clear, just because... Someone's 71. Yeah, it doesn't mean you should underestimate them. Um, this man, his name was Ash, and he's probably the most amazing person we've met on the entire journey. In um, life, I think. Yeah, in life. Me. I think he's an amazing. On day one. Yeah, yeah day one. And when he really, really did it. <laughs> yeah, he was really curious about us because he was also cycling. He's a 70 year old cycle tourer. And so active. Absolute legend, I must admit. Yeah. Ash is, um, I remember, yeah, cycling uh, into the settlement and it was sunset and it was getting dark because it was like 8.30, we arrived p.m. So 2.30 to 8.30 was our time. And I just remember seeing Ash just like pop his head around the corner, just so like curious and like open heart and open mind and open arms. And he's like, hey, cyclist, what's going on? Kind of, kind of thing. and with Ash, uh, he showed us, well, he gave us the pep talk that we really needed yeah. and just motivational speech. Like, we should have recorded it and just... I know, we should have recorded a lot of yeah. things. But I feel like you meet everyone you need to meet in life the moment you need to. Mm-hmm. Because we met Ash that first day. We needed everything he said to us, all the motivational talk. We're just, you know, instead of, we're just out there doing at least. We have no idea what we're doing, but we're just out there. Yeah. And uh, I think that was really all we needed to hear. We're like, okay, like... Do you remember some things he said? Yeah. Ooh. Um, well, for me, uh, he said, I remember this because I was so broken. <laughs> oh, I laugh about it now, but at the time I was like, I don't, oh, this is so hard. Um, but he said, you know what? Most people in their life, they are so involved with um, their job or their, their family or them, their, their life. Or life goes on. Life really rolls mm. through pretty fast. Um, and most people have these be- big, beautiful dreams or like uh, something that they'd like to achieve, like cycle touring or cycling a country. And he said, you know what's the most important thing? And we're like, what? And he was like... At least you're doing the damn thing. Uh. And we're just like, okay, yeah, thank you. <laughs> that means so much. You don't understand. <laughs> that's a really, it's like a life quote for sure yeah. for all of us in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like truly inspiring. Like he has more energy uh, now than he did, or as yeah. equal as he did like when he was much younger as well. So I mean, that first day was so important to get you know, your mindset and to get in the headspace of doing this. So you said you did it for two months. Mm. Yeah. Where did you tend to sleep every night? Uh, so for, um, in New Zealand, there's uh, many uh, dock camps. So the Department of Conservation campsites. Mm-hmm. So there's a long drop toilet. There's sometimes water, like drinking water supply. Um, and you pay like a five uh, New Zealand dollar. Five to eight. Five to eight dollars a night per person um but then it's like in national parks or it's yeah it's a dock site so it's like more in the wilderness 
uh, than in towns and cities. And it's easy to park your bike. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's uh, ranges that come round, and uh, or sometimes there aren't. It depends on how remote. So we would stay in dock sites. There's a phone app that we used, um, free camps or campermate, where you can see where there's free camps, where the New Zealand government have allowed people to camp and park their vans um, and stay there for free. Yeah. Um, and we've also used warm showers, which is equivalent to couch surfing, oh. but it's focused on cycle touring. So if you're not cycle touring at home, then you can host people that are cycle touring. So at least you have that common ground, and then um, it's called warm showers. That's an app. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Website. Yeah. Website. Okay. Yeah, and it's global. It's amazing. You meet some amazing people. We met one guy, Tony, uh, Tom Hawkins. Tim. Tim Hawkins. Tim and Jan Hawkins. Yeah, and they were amazing. He rescued us from this like treacherous gorge where we could have died. <laughs> oh. <laughs> don't tell our mums that. Though. Yeah, don't. <laughs> don't um, <laughs> uh, but he rescued us and um, put the, our bikes in the back of his car and uh, drove us home, provided us with a lovely meal and a nice warm bed. And he's a photographer and he showed us like all these photos he took of his um, trip to South America where he cycled toward for six months. Nine, six to nine months? Nine months. And did we mention he's also like 70 years old? Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Neat, amazing people. How about the food? Now you mentioned Ooh. you ate... Hello. A lot. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> number one, that? we did a big, beautiful New Zealand burger tour. So, <laughs> we did a yeah, burger tour of New Zealand. Um, so, different towns that we stayed or even stopped by for lunch, we would um, yeah, go to the local diner or local pub or cafe. Uh, well, then, it's, like a, it's not a cafe, but it's like a place where it's like a buffet where you choose... Uh, or it's like a fry-up place where they have pies and burgers and fish and chips and things like that. Yeah. So we would go handy on that. Uh, handy means hundred, and we'd just really enjoy a burger for lunch. Um, mm. We would carry enough food for maybe one to two days. Oh, it depends Maximum. on where we were and where yeah. we're going, and if there was a supermarket nearby. So we try not to carry that much food with us. Of course, that was a struggle for us all the time. We had way too much food. Mm. Was it mostly snacks to just kind of give you energy as you yeah, went? Snacks, did you make noodles? oats, noodles. We always had noodles. Spinning noodle sisters. That's why we were called the spinning noodle sisters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So we'd yeah. have mee goreng with us or ramen noodles. And you um, had like a, did you have a portable stove or? Yeah, one flame? stove. Okay. One so like stove. the small, uh, small fold up stove. Very small. It's like the size of your hand or mm-hmm. less than that. Uh, less, yeah, palm. your palm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we'd have a pot. So we would often do oats or overnight oats in, in a Tupperware. The, yeah, in Tupperware. Um, for the breakfast and oats would have trail mix, chocolate, berries, chia seeds, nuts, uh, bananas or fruit, whatever we, we had with us. Yeah. Um, we'd have coffee, always have coffee. Necessity. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And a new thing that we did was uh, we would also have honey because New Zealand had amazing manuka honey and different floral honey. So we would have, and because uh, we didn't carry milk with us. We or just, sugar. Or sugar. We would have honey and black coffee on the road, so we'd have a, a pit stop and have that. Sounds then amazing. We, yeah, then we'd, we'd have a burger for lunch or uh, a pie, yeah. 
There's a beautiful uh, vegan pies at Z's gas station that we discovered later. But uh, yeah, we'd have pies like veggie pies or meat pies, whatever. And then we'd often have beans and rice. Yeah, beans and rice for dinner. It's staple. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so much energy for you. That's also all you can carry. We got like little rice packet, like Uncle Ben's. It was already like sort of pre-cooked, so it only took like two minutes to cook it. And then bake a can of baked beans, you mix it in there, mm-hmm. put it in a wrap, put some hot sauce on it. Yeah, lots. That's How it. much water did you guys travel with in your, on your... Yeah, water is vital. We yeah. um, usually carried about... We had I had platypus. Mm-hmm. So platypus is like the water bladder, but he became part of our team. So... <laughs> like a person so platypus was a liter he was almost or 750 no he was almost three liters no yeah he was was he yeah okay logistic manager knows per person no so she had platypus i had um my nalgene bottle which i called purple rain Um, (laughs) i like all these names for things and then we had a few other bottles yeah they didn't have names the squeezy bottle she and uh but yeah, maybe between us we had maybe three to four to five. Yeah, four, four to five liters. Four to five liters. Okay. Um, in total between you. Yeah, yeah. And whenever we can fill up, we'd fill up. I think there was only one day where we ran out of water. It was because it was two days and we couldn't fill up at any point between. Where do you I fill the water? At a gas station? Any cafe, really. Oh, they'll let you do it, okay. Yeah, <laughs> if you order something, like, can you fill up all these water bottles? Or if you find a tap outside, just yeah. fill it up. Just, you can just drink it, so it's fine. Yeah. It's New Zealand. Yeah. It's safe. Yeah. safe. Just fill it up. Um, How much altogether did you end up spending for the trip <laughs> per person? I'm sure it'd be slightly different between the two of you based on budgets. But so I used up all my 4,200 New Zealand dollars uh, in the first three months, and then I had to start like Nina you need a cover for me and then we started getting jobs and then I would eventually pay you but by the end of the uh, the working holiday visa I'd pay Nina back everything but uh, but yeah for me it was 4,200 New Zealand dollars for just the cycling portion yeah yeah, yeah for me it was slightly more because I also bought first hand bike and then so if that's not included, then everything else is probably four thousand on top of that. Yeah. Roughly. Mm-hmm. I would say. But then I guess, yeah, we after the cycling bit, then we were like, Okay, the end of a beautiful chapter, let's uh well I sold my bike so I got more money back. Um and my pinners, the bike bags I sold them too, unfortunately, but it's okay. Um, and then we went up to the North Island and did some kiwi picking. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a whole other adventure. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. A whole yeah. other adventure. Yeah. yeah. What would you say is the biggest thing you learned about yourself from this cycling trip? Let's start with you, Nina. I think mental resilience. Because mm-hmm. you're going to be put in all sorts of situations where you, you don't feel comfortable, but there's nothing you can really do about it. And I think at this point in my life, I'm used to being uncomfortable like this trip and traveling after since then has put me in a lot of situations where I am uncomfortable but I'm also okay with being uncomfortable and yeah you just have to have that mental capacity to accept that you're uncomfortable you're going up this massive mountain and you absolutely hate it 
and it's hard and it can sometimes suck but you know you just have to have a pause stop and have a dance break with Gina like <laughs> there's no other way you know like, kind of the flowy clothes that you've uh, yeah. tucked into the back of your <laughs> luggage and didn't yeah. put in. <laughs> we had a lot of dance breaks like going up some serious um, mountains Haas Pass, Linda's Pass, like they were hard. We they had cars next to us struggling to get up. Oh And there we are, like cycling. I probably thought we were absolutely mental. When you when you got tired, you just stopped and took a break. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah, because that's what I'd have to do. Yeah. <laughs> so for us, it was more like we find the gravel on the side of the road. So Haas Pass, I don't know what the incline percentage was, but it was very steep. And it was 24%. 24%. And normally uh, 12% was like, ooh, this is hard, but this was very, very, it was like, a, yeah, just a wall. Um, but we would just do, we didn't want to walk or push our bikes. So we would do 10 meters or 15 meters. We'd be like, do that post. <laughs> and we just like hamster up and get there. And then we'd just have a break and then uh, to the next post, to the next and then by the end of the afternoon we would have conquered a mountain so that was good but we would have definitely had dance breaks so we were like dance break and we just like get off our bikes stand on a big boulder or something and just just dance or um, or lay on the gravel and eat chocolate yeah oh either one yeah Yeah. coconut block chocolate was just Whitaker's such good chocolate in New Zealand yes sea salt when I was there it was yum Gina how about you what would you say was the biggest thing you learned about yourself um, that's such a big question just because I feel like, well, in the six months that we were there, I learned a lot. But in the two months, cycling especially, I realized that uh, I can achieve, I know it sounds very cheesy and cliche, but after cycle touring, uh, well, it was like nearly 2000 Ks and we went through so much ups and downs, I realized that I can actually achieve whatever I want to put my heart into, my mind into. Um, that's all it really takes is just being motivated and determined enough to to do it Um, and for me I realized that teamwork is really important like Nina she's my best friend but we we don't have anyone else that we can talk to that uh, maybe Jason as well but but we just experienced this adventure together and we took a chance and did it and um, we never gave up so it was more just knowing that anyone can achieve what they put their mind to and I can achieve what I put my mind to and we say it's really difficult it was the the hardest thing but for me it was uh, the best thing I've ever done in terms of travel I've done I've loved traveling and living in communities and like meeting people and volunteering but for me this was the best thing I've ever put my heart and mind into like I remember sitting in our in Lulu our minivan like uh, when we were in the North Island and we were just talking about the whole cycling experience and I realised then that I'd never been so motivated in my entire life to achieve something and we kept on pushing it. We first wanted to go to Queenstown and they were like, no, let's go to Tianu. Okay, Tianu, we went back to Queens, cycled back to Queenstown and we're like, we're not going to get the bus to Twizel, we're going to cycle to Mount Cook through Lindus Pass um, and on top of Lindus we had a group of uh, travellers just cheering us on on the top of the hill, which was our last climb. And I just remember just like breaking down or just like having a good cry and a good dance, just knowing that it was going to be a 14k coasting down the mountain with the sunset and it was getting colder because it was getting into like autumn time. But um, 
yeah, I just feel that you can really achieve anything if you do it little by little, you do a bit of research, and you just just go out and try your best and see what happens. You can always go on a bus or you can always yeah. sell your bike if it's not for there's, you. But. There's also no rule. Like cycling, we're newbies. We just went out there and did it. But there's also no rule to cycling. Like it doesn't mean you have to reach point A to point B on a bicycle. Like there's no rule. You just need to take it day by day and it'll have it be an adventure. You know, if you need to take a bus a certain for a certain point, like let it be. Mm-hmm. Like we had to take a bus from Kingston to Queenstown. Yeah. Because um that road is um right next to a lake and a cliff. And it was called the Devil Staircase. It not it was. It is called the Devil Staircase. And it is the Devil Staircase. And it's really dangerous. dangerous. And the day we got there was also really rainy. They have a small shoulder, so um, there's not a lot of space for you, and it's just really dangerous. So uh, fortunately, on that pathway, there is one of the cycling routes that is um, popular around Queenstown. So they had a shuttle service there. Mm-hmm. So we got, uh, yeah, we got onto the bus, and we just took all that all the way to um, Queenstown, which is lucky because we spent most of that day um, cycling 50 kilometers in the rain, wow. and we were just so yeah. done with it. So. In, in heavy and you could rain. put your bike on the shuttle bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was a service. But that was when my back rack really broke, and I was, I was then, like the first day, I was like on the grass crying. This day, I was like in mud, in my like waterproofs, <laughs> my waterproof trousers and high-vis jacket, just like, in the mud, uh, or sitting in the mud whilst Nina was fixing my back rack because it really had broken then and there was yeah. like one bolt left. But One bolt and six zip ties by the end of the trip. Yeah. That's wow. it. Oh my goodness. You guys went through so much in those two months. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the tip of the iceberg. We have so many know. more stories. I wish that I could like go on with this for six hours and do like a three-part <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But I, I'm really grateful for everything that you shared. And if there's if people want to follow you or see any photos or get more information about this, where can they go? We have an Instagram called Spinning Noodle Sisters. Um, <laughs> Love it. That's easy to find. So Is that just one word? Spinning, spinning noodles. Spinning underscore noodle underscore sisters. And then we have a website in progress right now. Um, what is the domain for that? SpinningNoodleSisters.com. Fantastic. However, okay. yeah, that will be uh, up maybe in a month or well we're still what we just started working on it today uh so we're just getting the pages up now but uh this website hopes to share information like top tips and different routes that we we will be taking because yeah um the next journey in 2021 we really want to do southeast asia so maybe from indonesia to home to chiang mai so doing southeast asia so where you were born to where maybe you were born yeah. Ooh. yeah. Yeah. Think about that. Yes, yeah, I remember you born in Indonesia. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that that. Were you born in Chiang Mai? Yeah. Oh. Yes. Hey. <laughs> um, but then there will be yeah videos and uh, maybe recipes like on the road recipes, and some of the photos that we take on the road, um, and blo- like a blog space yeah. for learning and sharing information and things yeah. like that. Maybe future outdoor adventures. I know you had mentioned to me last week, Nina, that you want to drive other parts of Australia. Yeah. Um, because you're going back to Australia. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on a working holiday visa in Australia now. I've done a few road trips, but then um, I'm going to go back for work. And then hopefully by 
mid next year, um, I'll drive to the East Coast, do like a long road trip and stuff, and then work on the East Coast, save some more money for the South Southeast Asia adventure. So exciting! Yeah. I look forward to seeing your website and following your ventures and. Yeah, learning more and more about how you guys love to travel. Yeah. We'll definitely send you links and um, hopefully your Spinning Noodle Sisters will, can be a platform to share knowledge and uh, experiences. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much you. for having us. Yeah. Yeah. I want to like kind of make a, a goal to have a cycling trip now for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least join one if I'm not going to do it on my own. There it are me. Um, little cycling trips that you can... like tours you can join like I know there's some in Cambodia and probably here in Thailand as well that you can do for like a couple of days um, and also if you want to cycle Europe there's an amazing website called eurovelo.com uh, which has the cycle maps uh, if you want to cycle if you're ever on holiday in like France or if you want to cycle from somewhere to somewhere they'll have there's like European maps cycle yeah. tracks that you can take that are cycle friendly at least and you can and cycle all the way from Norway to Italy if you want to wow. or yeah. Scotland to Poland to Greece or whatever yeah amazing um, so yeah check that out if you're interested yeah, yeah the sky really is the limit with this yeah, yeah. you just need a bicycle and motivated team partner or yourself some really cool dance moves from what yeah yeah well thank you girls yeah thank thank you thank you i really wish i could have spent another hour with these ladies hearing more about their fun and unpredictable adventures in new zealand they made me immediately want to get out my own atlas and start planning my cycling adventure although i'm not sure if i would need to hire my own logistics manager Nina, would you like to lead another trip? Are you available? (laughs) Adventure trips that involve long hikes, camping, or being on a scooter or bicycle are honestly my favorite way to travel because forcing yourself to be uncomfortable and then getting through it and feeling that sense of accomplishment, as Nina mentioned, is so rewarding, especially in the middle of nowhere with nature all around you. I am ready to go, aren't you? We've put all the links to the apps that Nina and Gina used on their cycling adventure on our website at theschooloftravels.com. You can also see incredible photos of their journey at spinning underscore noodle underscore sisters on Instagram. Their website seems to still be under construction, but hopefully it gets finished soon and we can learn even more details from their trip. I hope by the time our next episode of The School of Travels comes out, you are free to plan your next big adventures, wherever they may be. Until then, listeners, stay safe, stay strong, and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money in this world. Living in this perfect world. Everyone can run.